one of the biggest obstacles we face preventing us from being supermen of God is believing the lie of the enemy that says, you're only human, you're going to sin. Well, yes, we're human, and yes, we have a tendency towards sin, but no, we do not have to give in. We sin because King Me is sitting on the throne of our hearts. We sin because we choose to. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode number 141. In this episode, we continue our journey through my book entitled, Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. This week's episode is entitled, Stand Up, Stand Out. Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker, Barry Allen, Tony Stark. Those are names that mean absolutely nothing to an arch-villain. However, the names Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, The Flash, Iron Man, even Captain America and the Green Lantern are just a few of the names that have struck fear and trepidation into the hearts of such enemies as Lex Luthor, the Joker, the Green Goblin, Red Skull, Mandarin, But here's a question for you. What does your name do to the heart of your spiritual enemy? Think about it. Let me me repeat that question. What does your name, fill in your name in the blank, what does your name do to the heart of your spiritual enemy? Truth be told, absolutely nothing. Your earth name, your human name has no bearing on what the archvillain of your soul, Satan himself, does or does not do. However, as a superman of God, you bear a name that is greatly feared by the enemy. As a born-again believer, you bear the heavenly name Technon Theos. And no, I'm not, I'm not making that up. In the biblical Greek, that stands for child of God. Technon Theos, son or child of God. Listen, that name represents a high and holy calling. You see, that name is not given to just anyone. There's a certain criterion that must be met before ever being given the name child of God. John chapter 1 verse 12, we read that to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You have to believe in him. You have to put your faith and trust in him for salvation. And once you've met God's condition, your purpose in life then is to draw the attention of those around you, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. Draw their attention to the Almighty, the all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, the designer of your soul, the one who died for you. Is the life you're building right now pointing others to Christ? Never lose sight of the fact that God and God alone is worthy to receive glory and honor and power, Revelation 1.6. It's not about you. It's not about me. The Apostle Paul put it this way, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him belong the glory forever and ever. That's Christ, from Christ, through Christ, to Christ are all things. To Christ belongs the glory, Romans 11, verse 36. But why? Why is God and God alone worthy of all glory and all honor? Consider this. Listen closely. Only God is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Revelation 21.6. Only God 
is the curator of creation and the architect of it all, Isaiah 40, verse 26. Only God always was, always is, and always will be, Revelation 1, 4. He, and he alone, is the compassionate and gracious God. He's always slow to anger, always abounding in love and faithfulness, Exodus 34, verse 6. Only God is the source of eternal salvation. Only God is the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews 5, 9. God alone is the bread of life, John 6, 32. He's the comforter, the counselor, the chief cornerstone. He is the Father of glory, the Father of lights, the righteous Father, and the Father to the fatherless. He is the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six. He is the eternal, immortal, invisible, and only wise King, 1 Timothy one seventeen. He is the God of hosts, the God of my salvation, the God of all comfort, the God of all grace, the God of mercy, the God of peace, the God of retribution, and the God of truth. He is the God who sees, the God who forgives, and the God who delivers me. He is the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, always-present God in my life. It is He and He alone who built all things, He who formed the mountains and creates the wind. It is He who blotted out my transgression. It is He who comforts me. He and He alone is the King of kings, the King of the Jews, the King of the nations, the King of all the earth, the King of heaven, the King of glory. He's my King. Is He yours? He is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Most High, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is the Lord our shield, the Lord our God, the Lord our maker, and the Lord our righteousness. He is the Lord of glory, the Lord of peace, the Lord of the harvest, and He is the Lord of lords. He is my all in all. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is my shield. He is my stronghold. He is my God and my Father, my ever-present help, my hiding place, my hope. He is my Redeemer. And to God and God alone, I owe all of my respect, all of my honor, all of my praise, all of my worship, all of my attention, all of my service, all of my mind, all of my heart, all of my life. Everything about me belongs to Him. Now, that's quite a list. Can you begin to understand why our Heavenly Father, the one and only true God, is more than worthy of all of our honor, all of our praise, all of our worship, and all of our glory, all of the time? What a reason to stand up right now and shout with everything you've got in my life, Lord, please be glorified. I have an important question I want to ask you. Is that your heart's desire? Do you truly, deep in your heart of hearts, want to live a life that honors and glorifies God? Want to live a life that draws your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, anyone around you that draws them to God? No matter what you do, no matter when you do it, no matter where it's being done, we need to always, always, always do it for God's glory. We need to always live in such a way that as people are watching us, and they are watching us, that they see King Jesus, not King me, sitting on the throne of our heart. We need to stand up and stand out. Now, just just think about that. God is not expecting you and I to live a life that occasionally or even mostly glorifies him. 
He says every aspect of my life, every moment of every day is to be lived in such a way that he and he alone receives recognition and praise and honor. Listen, my friend, when you live like that, you are being a superman of God. Now, let's face it, I'll admit, that's a tall order. I mean, living a life that in every way and at all times glorifies God, well, that's certainly a noble, holy endeavor, right? But is it really possible? I mean, can we actually function in a way that every thought, every word, every action, every moment of every day is in every way reflecting to the world around us the greatness, the majesty, the wonder, the supremacy of the Almighty God of the universe? Is that possible? My answer to you is an unequivocal yes. Yes, we can. Because let me remind you that God will never, ever command us to do something that is impossible for us to do. If he did, he'd be setting us up to sin, and that's against God's nature. I think one of the biggest obstacles we face, one of the biggest obstacles that prevents us from being supermen of God, is believing the lie of the enemy that says, you're only human. That means you're going to sin, so you might as well quit trying. Well, yes, we are human. And yes, we, because we're human, we have a natural human tendency towards sin. But listen to me. No, no, no. We do not have to give in to it. We sin because King me is sitting on the throne of our hearts. We worship who we're, we're, who's sitting on the throne. We sin because we choose to. We do what we do because in our heart we want what we want. We need to dethrone King me and allow God to reign supreme in our life. We need to stand up and stand out and shout out glory to God and God alone. Well, I want to want to read a couple of paragraphs to you from chapter 5 of my book, Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. It's, it's a story. You'll, you'll recognize the storyline. Uh, I've kind of 21st century it a little bit, but it's a simplified story that has a powerful point. So here we go. And I quote, These guys were inseparable. Best friends, Danny, Naya, Misha, and Az, grew up in the palace together. They loved running through the halls, playing tag, hide-or-seek, or, or, or freak-out-as, as Niall used to call it. Well, now that they were teens, those games were left far behind them. Girls were all the rage. And, oh, the fun they had, sneaking mice into a girl's room and then waiting to hear them scream. One morning, just before sunrise, Danny awoke in a cold sweat. What he thought was just a nightmare, full of clanging swords and blood-curdling screams, had become a terrifying reality. The palace was being invaded. Within seconds, his friends gathered in his room, wondering what they should do. Suddenly, the door opened, and one of the palace guards appeared. Sires, he said, stay right here. Latch the door behind me, and don't open it for anyone. What's going on? Misha shouted, but the guard had already left. Terrified, Az ran to the door, slid the steel bar across the latch, sealing them in. Later that night, the four friends lay their heads down on a strange pillow, under strange blankets on a strange bed in a strange room. Closing his eyes, Danny tried to review in his head the events that put him and his friends in this horrible place. The palace had been overrun, the guards slain, the king taken, and Danny and his friends were captured. All in all, not a very good day. The sounds coming from outside their door were, were, were bizarre and ugly. 
Men spoke in a language they did not understand. Days later, in a palace in a new land, an official-looking guy with red plumes on his shoulder pads and a weird crest emblazoned on his chest came into their room, introduced himself as Ashpanaz, or at least that's what Danny thought he said. The language was so hard to understand. Ashpanaz explained to them that the reason their lives had been spared which was because his king, the glorious and all-powerful Nebuchadnezzar, had chosen them to become servants in his palace. Tomorrow morning would start their training. In the meantime, a feast had been prepared for them in their honor. Well, as the servants set the food on the table, Ashpenaz explained to them that this was a high privilege being given them. The meat, a delicacy in their land, had just been offered in sacrifice to Nabu. This indeed was a rare thing that the king was doing. Well, Danny had to think fast. Meat offered to Nabu? Was that a person? A a god? Should they eat it? It looked fantastic. It smelled even better. And his stomach growled, and he could feel his saliva glands working overtime. Glancing over at his friends, he could see the wide-eyed looks and growing smiles on their faces. But something deep inside Danny stirred. Something was telling him, don't eat. Was the meat poisoned? That didn't make sense. I mean, why would the king capture them just to poison them? No, this feeling was something different. Then it hit him. To eat that meat would be to acknowledge that Nabu was God. Well, they might be captives in a foreign country. They're against their will. They might be stuck in this place for a very long time. But that did not give them the excuse to forsake the true God and go against His will for their lives. God had to have a reason for allowing them to be there. They may never know what that reasoning might be, but that didn't matter. It wasn't about them. Danny turned to Ashpenaz and said, to everyone's shock, Thank you, but no thank you. Seeing the surprise on Ashpenaz's face and the disappointment on his friends, Danny continued, Sir, we respectfully decline your offer. You you see, we worship the one true God, whose name is Elohim. It is the conviction of our hearts that if we eat anything that has been offered to another God, it will defile us. It will make us dirty in the eyes of the one true God. Ashpenaz looked like a deer caught in the torchlight. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. His mouth just hung open, unable to form any words. Finally, shaking his head, he said, No one has ever rejected the king's meat before. This is unheard of. If I don't feed you this meal, if you don't eat this food to build up your strength, the king will have my head. Danny paused, thinking carefully how to phrase what was going on in his mind. Praying to God for help, he said, With all due respect, I would like to suggest a compromise. For the next ten days, feed us nothing but vegetables and water. At the end of the ten days, check in to see how we're doing. If our health and well-being have declined, then you can do with us whatever you want. Well, it was totally out of character for Ashpenaz, but he was starting to like these guys, so he agreed. For the next ten days, those boys ate nothing but vegetables and drank nothing but water. They would sit at their table, watching the other captives chowing down on the most mouth-watering dishes they had ever seen while they gnawed away at the raw carrots and leeks in front of them. 
They sipped at their glasses of water while the others chugged the king's choice wines. They were the objects of ridicule, and yet they continued to grow. They grew healthier. They were better nourished than any of the other captives. At the end of the ten days, Ashpenaz was totally floored. He had no clue how they had done it, but those four boys were not only better physically than the rest, but they caught on to the language faster. They understood all the literature they were reading, and Danny seemed to excel the most out of all of them. Who would have thunk that a veggie platter could do all of that? End of quote. Let's face it here. Daniel and his friends were put in a terrible situation with no way out, right? No one, absolutely no one would have blamed them for caving under the pressure to conform to the environment in which they were placed. But Daniel held his ground. He chose to stand up and stand out no matter the cost. Furthermore, in a very real sense, Daniel was an alien in a foreign land. Now now think about that for a moment. Because as a son of God, as a child of God, you also, me, we are aliens in a foreign land. So being an alien in a foreign land, let me ask you to consider this. What is some of the world's food? What is some of the the food of this alien planet that you need to abstain from and why? I want you to consider this in Daniel's story. What was so magical, we'll use that word, what was so magical about eating vegetables and drinking water? What was it that really set Daniel and his friends apart? It wasn't the veggies. It wasn't the water. It was their faith in God. It was their solid conviction to honor and glorify God no matter what, no matter when, and no matter where. They were determined to stand up and stand out for God. So, I have a challenge for you. This isn't any normal challenge. This is going to be tough. I, I forewarn you, this is going to be hard. I, I, I don't want to just challenge you. I want to dare you. And in, in, in fact, I want to triple dog dare you that starting today, in fact, starting right now, for the next 10 days, Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went 10 days not eating the king's food. They went 10 days on just vegetables and water. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but here's what I am going to ask you to do. For the next 10 days, separate yourself from all the foreign food that this world has to offer. And what I mean is this, no television, no Xbox, no computer usage, except for the necessities that, you know, if you need to use your computer for work, but, but separate yourself from all of the foreign food that this world has to offer. And instead, Invest that time choosing to feed upon God's Word, to dive into the Scripture, to to fall upon your knees and, and just talk with God. So my question for you is this, are you man enough to take the challenge to stand up and stand out? Ooh, 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 was that hitting below the belt? What are you going to do? Are you going to accept the challenge? Now, let's hit the pause button until next week's episode. We're going to continue the journey through the book, Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. If you're a faithful follower of this podcast and you know that we're taking a deep dive look into this book, we're kind of going chapter by chapter by chapter, pulling out little snippets and and revealing the truth of God's word as we apply it to the question, are you a superman? How do I become God's man of steel? 
If you're interested in this 12-week men's Bible study that is a great resource for either you individually, for a father and son to work through, for a family devotional time to work through, or as as I geared it, wrote it specifically for small men's groups Bible studies, a 12-week Bible study to go through, it's a fun tongue-in-cheek look at what it means to be God's man of steel in a world that's anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-Bible. So if you'd like to learn more about today's study, or if you're interested in learning more about our ministry and how we minister to men and women across the globe who are struggling with sexual purity, visit our website. We've got a multitude of resources we've made available to you. You can find the website at The Purity Coach. It's all one word, thepuritycoach.com. Now, I'd encourage you to go to amazon.com today and purchase your copy of Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. And if you've not yet subscribed to this Point of Purity podcast, oh, let me encourage you to do so today. We're going to continue our study on the Superman book, but there's many more truths and studies to come and way down the line. I don't want you to miss any of it. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. See you next week.